welcome back to Emi in St. Louis, the podcast that reviews new restaurants in and around St. Louis. I'm Nick. I'm Travis. And I'm Francie. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Are we just new? Are we new and notable? New and notable. We're yeah. It it's been, you know, three years. We're still working on the intro. <laughs> Wait, are you asking if we're new? Because we're not notable. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is not new at all, but yeah. the restaurants are. Um Fancy, how are you doing? <laughs> doing great. I lost my answering privileges by asking yep. that. <laughs> no more from you, Travis. <sighs> I told you guys we've been looking at houses recently, doing some house shopping. We looked at this one place that we really liked, but uh, the previous owners were buried on the property there, and we had... Alive? uh, (laughs) Don't know for sure, but uh, but that was like this interesting thing that we had some reservations about. So uh, you lost the bidding war? (laughs) It seems like a big responsibility to have something like that. I think their families would try to get that property to at least recover the body. That's a very good question. Was there actually a little cemetery set up? There was, yeah. And then you'd have to be the caretaker? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know if it was that or like a call us before you dig anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Yeah, so we decided not to go with that one, but we're still looking. Uh, you'll find the haunted house of your dreams. I'm sure of it. Someday, yeah. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about the drawing board on Chippewa. So going from Casa de Alfonso to the drawing board on Chippewa. Quite a pendulum swing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I had not heard of this until you mentioned it. What made you want to go there, Travis? So the drawing board is close to Civil Life. Civil Life Brewery. I actually used to live right there. We drove by it all the time when it was Writer's Tavern. And to be honest, the reason we wanted to go to this place is Hannah and I had a very long discussion one day about how I love dive bars. I love them. There are no new dive bars. Like by definition, almost like you can't have a new dive bar. Yeah. So when I saw that Writer's Tavern closed up shop and the drawing board went in, based on the space, based on where it was, I was like, this could be a new dive bar. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then I started looking online and all the reviews for the food and everything was just incredible. So I was like, we've got to try this place. Cool. Uh, apparently, a lot of St. Louisans know this place as the Bleeding Deacon. Uh, the Bleeding Deacon closed down, became Writer's Tavern. Writer's Tavern closed down and became the drawing board. So maybe we should just do this podcast on whatever goes into this building and we could probably have like a bi-monthly <laughs> episode. But there are really high hopes for the drawing board. They describe themselves as like a friendly place uh, to grab a bite to eat. They really are like your neighborhood bar. They had sports on TV when we went. So this is the brainchild of co-owners Paul and Matt Wamser. They worked with their head chef, who is Alexa Camp, at Urban Chestnut. So Urban Chestnut, obviously really well-established microbrewery here. Also, our bartender, when we went, had worked at Earthbound for six years. So it seems like a place that they're bringing in a lot of people from St. Louis breweries to kind of put their mark on this place. Uh, They opened last summer. So they said that they really, uh, they kind of wanted to build a home-style menu that was simple but approachable. So there's Creole roots here, but you can see that the menu, when we talk about it, is kind of all over the board. The drawing board. I actually thought when we were when I was looking at the Francie menu, does not approve. 
I thought that was their thing. I was like, oh, they're doing all this different kind of cuisine as in like a try this, then back to the drawing board kind of thing. But apparently that was not their intention. But do you know what their intention was? Uh, yeah, just a little bit of Creole flavor, uh, finger foods, bar oh, foods. I, I meant the, the With name. the name. Why did they choose oh, the drawing board? It's because they have like drawing boards all over the restaurant. Like uh, that's how they decorated the walls is with chalkboards. So uh, they want to encourage you to come and draw on it. So if we had any artistically inclined friends, I would have encouraged them to like leave a little drawing or something <laughs> when we went. Uh, that's nice. That's fun. Um <laughs> You're a jerk. But um, <laughs> did I tell you, we went to this place in Savannah that had Lincoln drawings on napkins, just literally covering every single wall of the place. Is that where you got your poster that's currently facing us as we record this episode? Yeah, that's a really big napkin. <laughs> Interesting that they would have a Lincoln theme in Savannah. What do you think that was about? Were they damned Yankees? I, yeah, I don't know. It opened just in the past couple of years, so I don't know the, the history behind it. Well, anyway, a little more about the history of the drawing board. Last summer, they completely gutted this place. What was Ryder's Tavern? I'm a dive bar fan. I'll be the first to admit. Ryder's Tavern was like a little too divey for me. Like that was the kind of bar that it's like, I don't know if I would go in there if I didn't like know someone that worked there. Uh, But when they renovated this place, I was like, I've got to try it. Because I'm a big fan of dive bars, just coming off fancy episode, I was like, we got to bring us back down to earth here. So wait, that was gutted decor because the floor looked original to me. Well, and this... some other elements too. I when I walked in, I thought, oh wow, this place is all the original decor. The article I'm reading says it was completely gutted. I so... heard it cost twenty million dollars. <laughs> That's just the standard cost of a restaurant renovation for us now. Okay, so I wanted to bring this up because a dive bar. I want to give you all the definition of a dive bar. Mm. And while we talk about... Travis, fact check. (laughs) No, while we talked about the drawing board, I want us all to think about, does this qualify as a dive bar? And then when we come back around to final thoughts, we can give our verdict. So a dive bar is typically a small, unglamorous, eclectic, old style bar with inexpensive drinks and may feature dim lighting, shabby or dated decor, neon beer signs, packaged beer sales, and cash only service. So basically a checklist of what I'm looking for when I go out to a bar. Yeah. I, you know, when I first started going to bars, I was in Savannah again and uh, it's a college town. And so I thought of it as like the place that all the locals went to and we weren't welcome. <laughs> you know, if you walked in and you just reeked of being an art student, everyone would look at you and you just felt uncomfortable immediately. So coming from small town, I always like thought about local bar because we, every small town where I'm from had a local bar. And when you saw someone walk in from the town over, you're like, is your bar closed? Why are, <laughs> why are you in ours? So uh, it, I think that's where my love from dive bars comes is like, that was the my first experience with bars. Yeah. Not really my milieu. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say, you know. <laughs> Francie, this is the exact kind of place that I was so excited to make her go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When you came on the podcast, I was like, I cannot wait to make Francie try some places that I love that I know she is going to be very skeptical about. So I was worried about having to go to places that serve nothing but red hot riplets and jalapenos. (laughs) Mm. That sounds great. Where is that? (laughs) (laughs) So before we dive in any farther, I did want to mention uh, I brought snacks. 
for we us We heard today. what you did there, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if he heard it, but. Uh. Oh, yeah. I totally, I, the, my own joke just like went right over my head. I'm going to add slide whistles in at all of our puns. <laughs> it's going to be great. I did bring us some snacks. I wanted to throw a couple shout outs here. We have cookies from King Cookie. King Cookie uh, has set up shop at local farmers markets. Uh, his name is Ray Devon, and he is a former chemist that turned cookie maker during the pandemic. Whoa. And then I also brought us a few scones from Bridge Bread Bakery, and they provide supportive employment to people without safe and stable housing. So, a nice. good cause, but also great scones, and they're only a dollar at the farmer's market. Oh, so, very nice. Thank yeah. you, Travis. Yeah. So um, now now we can dive in, and now I, I get the joke that I unintentionally made. <laughs> well, before we talk about our experience. Yup. Yup. Drawing Board has five out of five stars with just... Eight reviews at the moment. Fancy, would you like to go first? Sure. Linda P. says, used to come here when this place was Riders. It has had a facelift and reopened a little over a month ago. The food is on point, all caps. The grilled cheese made my taste buds sing. All right. Andrea B. said, had an awesome time here with some great smash burgers and crispy crinkle fries. So happy. Five stars. Yeah, so there were... So few reviews here. I also took a look at Google reviews. They had 26, and they were all five stars also. <laughs> I thought you went looking for a bad review. I, I, I you ended up was. on conspiracy theory boards. <laughs> and it's like, well, I hear that the lizard people. <laughs> so I found a review that I liked from Skylar Newberry. I really just liked his name and wanted to say it. But don't know what drew me to this place, but it definitely exceeds expectations. It'll give you a reason to go back. To the drawing board. <laughs> he got two of them in there. I don't know what drew me to this place. Oh, Nicely yeah. Nicely done, Skylar. Yeah. Oh, we need to talk about the experience. <laughs> do you do that live every time? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get up my guitar. The experience. So... Travis, I believe you went first. Yeah, but do you want to talk about your experience that you picked up food and left? It should uh, be pretty quick. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, well, first things first, I made plans to go, about to leave. I was looking over their menu, and Angie walks over and looks over my shoulder at my phone and says, oh, they're closed today. <laughs> they had posted on Facebook, and it shows up on their website. I knew Francie was also planning to go, so this time I got ahead of it, and... Uh, we didn't actually go and find out it was closed standing on their front steps. Thank you for sending me that info. You saved me in the nick of time. Oh, man. So many yeah. uses of that slide whistle. <laughs> but I ended up going the following night. I went up while Travis and Hannah were eating, actually, and sat down and had a beer with them while I waited for my to-go order. I didn't get to talk to the people who worked there very much. They handed me the bag, said, thank you, have a good night. But a lot of the reviews that I read just gave all sorts of praise to the people who work there and their attitudes and welcoming spirit. So I can definitely back that up because unlike Nick, I spent about five and a half hours with the good people at the drawing board. Really? Yeah. Uh, we went during the Cardinals playoff game. Oh. Uh, we thought, okay, local place. Uh, it says it's a great place to like come and watch sports. So let's do that. So we sat there 
literally five and a half hours. Is that how long a baseball game is? Uh, this one was an incredibly long baseball Jesus game. Jesus. Yeah, we came in. I was a little surprised because just knowing it as Writer's Tavern, I had low expectations when I was walking in. I'll be the first to admit. But it was not sketchy at all. No, I wasn't really familiar with Writer's. That but... was another drawing board. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Let's just see how many we can sneak into the episode. Uh, Forget drawing board. We should have a scoreboard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's on now. (laughs) But no, it was great. Like uh, we walked through the entire restaurant. We went out to their back patio. Apparently they did have a TV on the back patio, but we did not see it that night. So we went back inside. They have pool, which is free to play. How many pool tables? Just like one? Just one pool table. But when I went, it really wasn't that crowded. I think word still hasn't gotten out. So my kind of place. But uh, yeah, the staff was so friendly. I was expecting at best, maybe I could shout to the bar if I needed something. But they came up to our table probably once every like 30 minutes, just being like, you guys okay? You need more water? You need more anything? So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with the drawing board. Well, we went on a Thursday night. There was no... Sadly, no Cardinal baseball. So we were pretty early and uh, there was not a big bar crowd there. My first impression on walking in was a very smoky smell like we Mm. had at CeCe's. And I later asked one of the people about it. And, you know, it's a non-smoking bar because they serve food. But had I not known about the renovation, I would have thought it was just the smoke that was baked into the walls for years and years of being a smoky bar. Mm. So he said that there are people who live in the apartment upstairs who smoke, and maybe it's drifting down. Maybe they have the same problem CeCe's does with air moving from one place to another. From what I've heard about writers and the Bleeding Deacon, it really might be in the bricks at this point. Mm. So <laughs> It is believable. So it's not a place where you go and you sit down and someone comes to your table. You order at the bar, and then they bring your food to you. And when I spoke with the guy, he said they're hoping to get to table service later. So they are aspirational in terms of their food. They want to be more of a restaurant. At this point, I would say, from my perspective, it's a bar with a limited menu that is elevated beyond what you would typically find, you know, is usual bar food. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Let's talk about the food. All right. You want to start us off? Okay, I think we've established how we're going to talk about (laughs) So we're going straight down the line from what they have on the menu because we think we ran the gamut and got everything. First thing, jambalaya balls. Did you get that? (laughs) Yes, based on the woo. Yes, I did get the jambalaya balls. (laughs) They were great. One of the best things I got, they're three large balls with andouille, chicken, onions, and peppers, and you know a fried panko. Arancini with a twist. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I was like describing it to Hannah is like you start off with the base of Arancini and you jazz it up, uh, New Orleans pun intended there, uh, by adding ah. in the jambalaya ingredient. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that they have a bit of Creole on the menu. This is it. I think I don't, right. <laughs> there's red, uh, beans, there's and red rice. beans and rice. Yeah, I guess so that that's a little bit of popular. No, we were talking before this episode and about the the menu and how kind of really eclectic it is. And I thought that was part of their whole thing was like, oh, we'll bring in different menu items from like all over the world and all these different cuisines. And it'll be like, well, we tried something and went back to the drawing board. But apparently that was not intended. It's just what I read into it. Yes. Francie, did you have the jambalaya balls? I personally did not try them, but my friend David, who was kind enough to accompany me to the drawing board, did have the jambalaya balls, and he thought they were good. I did not taste 
one because I'm not a fan of andouille sausage. It's usually too spicy for my palate. I don't but think he it was. said it wasn't very spicy. Yeah. I was a big fan. Big I I I was surprised to see something like that on the menu and I was pleasantly surprised when I got it. Yeah. Next up is crab rangoon. We know Travis got it. Oh yeah. Crab it, rangoon, one of my favorite foods. Oh wait, hold on. Last time you said it was your favorite food. It's just that pizza keeps creeping up there. Mm. And so like it's there is a place that makes a crab rangoon pizza, and I think maybe that's my favorite food. <laughs> is there really? Yeah. You can put everything on a pizza. I mean, you can. <laughs> Doesn't mean you should. Uh, did either of you have the crab rangoon, or no. was this me? Nope, just you. It's real crab. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was stunned. I would say most restaurants don't have real crab in yeah. Crab Rangoon. I, the I, menu actually says lump crab. So, so yeah, lump crab. Uh, I will say it does come at a price. It is $10 for three Crab Rangoons. And, you know, for, for a bar, that's, that's a pricey appetizer for sure, especially with three of them. But we're at a place in time where, like, prices are really inflated. So I really wonder if those come down when prices like level out a little bit but yeah. yeah you are getting real crab in there which i w i was really surprised and then also the sweet and sour had like a little tinge of balsamic to it so it was an interesting take on like a sweet and sour sauce speaking of did you get a sauce with the jambalaya balls yeah it was a little uh you didn't get a sauce i didn't get the sauce oh it was a good sauce it seemed like it should have one and i just saw that it does but yeah they must have left that out yeah it had like a little bit of spice to it but not that bad and mm. yeah it was it was it was good uh, next up, smoked pork nachos. I will tell you all about the smoked pork nachos, <laughs> which I ordered in my customary fashion, which is deconstructed, meaning... Did you say that? Yes. M may I have some deconstructed nachos with I, just a whisper of jalapeno? <laughs> I, I asked if they could do that for me, and he, at first he thought I meant like the whole thing should be oh, wow. in separate elements. And, and I explained, no, I just meant that... I wanted the chips on the side rather than under the collection of stuff that comprised the nachos. That is the way to do it, right? Like, if you're not the fastest nacho eater in the world, you don't want to get to the end of your nachos and have the soggy, gross ones. Like, I, I always do that myself. I think they all end up soggy and gross. Yeah. And it, they're a mess. And I used to order my nachos in our workplace cafeteria like that. And I never actually ordered them out uh, like that. But they were very accommodating. It was no problem. So when they brought them to me, it was on two separate plates. And the nachos had a really good quality of smoked pork on there, which I am thinking maybe they smoked themselves. It looked like they had a smoker out back, so we <laughs> sat on the patio. And um, so there's a layer of queso and mixed in are some black beans and then um, some nice pieces of the smoked pork. Um, the chips, I didn't think, were stellar. Uh, but they were perfectly adequate, and they were crispy, and um, made a good delivery device for the dip. I thought it was a good plate. Francie, when I saw your picture of those nachos, I was like, of course Francie orders her nachos like that. And then I was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little surprised, because when you first mentioned Drawing Board, I looked them up and was looking down their Facebook page, and the first thing I saw was this giant plate of nachos, and I'm like, oh, that's why Travis wants to go there. <laughs> But then neither of us got the nachos. Also, have you guys seen this recent trend about table nachos? No. No. There are all these TikTok videos. I don't I don't watch TikTok, 
but <laughs> it, it really sounds like you do, which but, is fine. That's fine. But they have kind of like the style of cooking gifts and things like mm. that, where they show you how to make it, except all they do is literally cover a table in nachos. And it seems like the worst thing in the world. Like I said, like finishing a plate of nachos before it gets mushy, but covering an entire table. I don't care how big your party is. That's just gross. You that want to say sounds like, hideous. I say over under two years, we see a restaurant do that. Like, oh, I thought that's how long the nachos were going to last. <laughs> <laughs> we never have to cook again. <laughs> you come in, you sit down at a table full of nachos, you eat what you want, and you leave. <laughs> Then, uh, let's see, falafel sliders. I, I've got to say, of like this was another menu item that I was just like, what an odd thing to have on this bar menu, falafel yeah. sliders. Like you said, Francie, it's a little bit elevated here. It's still bar food, but it's a nice vegetarian option, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's fried carbs on carbs, a falafel sandwich. But Well, if they would have described it like that on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they were pretty good too. They had feta and pickled red onion and a jalapeno jelly. Um, they're decent sized. You get two of them for $10. But yeah, I liked them. Hannah was afraid it was going to be too much bread, especially because it is, you know, carbs on carb. She was looking at the sliders and she's like, I wish they would have like scooped out the bread in these. And then she like took her first bite and she's like, oh no, they're really good. This yeah. is fine. <laughs> Actually, when I first looked at them, it looked like there was too much bread. What it's, kind of bread are they served on? I, I want to say maybe a potato bun. Mm, okay. But it looked like it was going to be kind of heavy, and it wasn't. Good uh, ratio of flavor in it. Then the thing that I think they're probably most known for, the Smash Burger. Woo! Another woo from Travis. Yeah. (laughs) High praise indeed. What did you think? Well, I got it MedArt style. Uh Uh-huh. So I had to ask. I was like, what MedArt style? That doesn't mean anything to me. I was trying to make an acronym in my head. I was like mustard edamame uh yeah <laughs> i was like i don't know what what is on this thing but i ask and it is a slaw of um lettuce and onion with thousand island hmm. and they said they've been making that style of burger there like for years travis i'm about to hit you up with some knowledge whoa it's time for a nick fact check <laughs> Before you do that, can I guess? Can I guess? Francie, what it is? just fact check your fact check. Yeah, I think Meat Arts was an old St. Louis restaurant going back decades and decades. You like, are correct, but right. it has a really interesting history. I went down this rabbit hole. So, Bill Medart was from St. Louis, and he moved to Hollywood and he married a young Hollywood starlet who actually was from St. Louis also uh, named Blossom Brenneman. Great name. Oh, great name. Yeah. She actually changed it. Her Hollywood name was like Bodum Blossom or something. At first it was Rose Blossom. And mm, then... That's a stripper name, not yeah. a starlet name. <laughs> but she was in some early talkies that Cecil B. DeMille did. So like legit actress. They get married. They move back here so that he can start a hamburger stand. Um, I think it was where the Cheshire Inn <laughs> well, is now. Don't get ahead of me, Francie. Oh, I, I got some rich history here. Why did here. you do any research when Francie's on the episode? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so he starts it right across from Forest Park. Just a little humble hamburger stand. Um, they spent $50 
huge amount of money. Uh, Not $20 million? Yeah. <laughs> well, in 1930, $50 was the equivalent, the equivalent of $20 million. Sure. Uh, You can't get a hamburger for $50. <laughs> but they had enough for 250 hamburgers. His wife was worried that they were in over their head. They go out to sell them, and it happened to be the night of the Veiled Profit Ball, which is something that I'll never oh, understand. Mm, that's worthy um, of an episode on its own. Yeah. We won't go there. Um, that was happening right down the street, and so that finishes up. Everybody comes down to them. They sold out by the end of the night. Instant success. They named it The Cottage, and then a year later, uh, it wasn't up to code, and they had to tear it down. So they built another one, and... The original dive bar. Yes. <laughs> and they built it like a log cabin, and... That wasn't really up to code, and a few years later, they had to tear that down. But they had just come to, or they had just gone to England. Bill was apparently an Anglophile, and so he decided to build the new place in the English cottage style, and that was the Cheshire, hmm. uh, which was called the Oldie Cheshire at the time, with hmm. a Y in Cheshire, too. It was, they, <laughs> yeah. That's some great St. Louis lore, Nick. Well, there's more. So... <laughs> What's another English cottage style restaurant? Bevo Mill? Ah, uh, that's that's the better one, but uh That's German. I would have said Schneidhorst, but I thought that was German. Uncle Bill's. Uncle Bill's Pancake oh. House yes. on King's Highway? The exterior. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pancakes yeah. Med Art style? Well, it started out as a burger restaurant. So Bill Med Art, Uncle Bill's not actually named after him. It's named after the second owner. He started it though as a burger restaurant and um Bill that- Ernst that is a neat bit of trivia, yeah. the Uncle Bill tie-in. I did not know that. Why Why is that not on the menu? Like, that this is a St. Louis, like, staple from the 19, like, 20s Trust, this med art style. We're not even done yet. We're just getting started, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> on part one of the six-part episode <laughs> of The Drug. So, Bill and Blossom were traveling around the world, went to Paris, and were staying at uh, Hotel Continental in 1951. And the night of January 11th, uh, Blossom and her children went out to the theater and came home, and Bill was drinking at the hotel bar. He was depressed about world affairs. Mm, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) And... He had been insisting to the family for some time that they return to the United States, but they disagreed. They wanted to stay abroad. Then they went up to their fifth floor hotel suite, and uh, his daughter says that he insisted that we all go home immediately, and he even started to pack a bag. We tried to talk him into staying, and finally he just ran to the window and opened it and said he was leaving immediately. Bill Medart plunged through the window to his death. Mon Dieu! <laughs> Right? Sacre bleu. He... <laughs> uh, <laughs> story has everything. So the Medart style burger is, <laughs> is named after him. Um, Great segue. <laughs> it, it was gone for a long time, and then it got brought back by a place called John's Town Hall, which was in the apartment building on Skinker, the Dorchester. Oh, yeah. And our friend Tony... That Angie's known for years, Tony Kalita, who is now the chef behind, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Chikawa and the Grand Pied. Chattawa. Chattawa. And Grand Pied. And the Grand Pied. <laughs> How's that? 
which is named after uh, Bigfoot, foot in French. So, yeah, Tony had worked at Johnstown Hall, which closed in 2010. Later, he was working at Civil Life and had a friend who was working at Riders. And so he'd go down to Riders um, after they closed and hang out there. And he said to uh, Ryder Murphy, the previous owner, hey, there's this med art style burger that was like really good. You should try this out. They started selling it on just Friday nights there. And then, you know, obviously we talked about how writers closed and now drawing board is continuing this tradition. So I loved, I did not know this at all. I just discovered that this morning. Uh, but yeah, our friend Tony is kind of single-handedly responsible for carrying on this tradition that goes back 90 years. This, this is fascinating. The, yeah. the med art burger is basically like the, on the same level as the St. Paul sandwich. I mean, it is a St. Louis staple. Yes. That has like touched some of the biggest businesses in St. Louis. Well, here's the thing though. The when he first started the burger place, he was selling what he called Hollywood burgers. So this was <laughs> a style that he brought in from Hollywood. But he did change the recipe, called it a secret sauce. What is it about that time period that every single restaurant had a secret sauce and they were all Thousand Island? <laughs> You're not fooling anyone, okay? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a different combination of those things. Originally, it was a, a green mayo-based relish. This one looked more like you think of with the Thousand Island. But, yeah, I just went down this crazy rabbit hole and learned all that and thought it was interesting. Very cool trivia. Thank you. But I do have a question about the Smash Burger. Mm -hmm. There are two prices listed on the menu, $8 and $11. I assume... The lower prices for one patty and the higher prices for two. So the story behind that actually starts in 1854. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go back further, Travis. No, yes. One patty or two patties. Yes. And so you have already mentioned that, you know, the prices are a little higher than you would expect for, you know, three crab rangoon, but it was a quality crab rangoon. I think $8 for a four ounce beef patty burger seems a little bit on the high side. I thought it was a good value for the amount of burger you get. So yeah. right. that satisfies my I, curiosity. I was the same way though. I was like a smash burger. That's not going to be a lot. And that's a higher price for a smash burger. But no, these smash burgers were a little thicker than what you're thinking of from a place like max or something like that. Okay. So they definitely, uh, they held up. Yeah. And then one more thing about the med art style is the wrapper is a part of it too. Um, oh. that's there to hold in all the juices in it because it's a juicy burger with some heavy condiments on it. So, was yeah. it a red and white checked paper wrapper? It was blue and white checked. Okay. As long as it was checked. That's yeah. the main thing. All right. So then next up on the menu, the smoked Philly. That's got shaved strip loin, cheese Whiz, mixed peppers, onions on a hoagie. Did you guys get that? I, d I did not. No. No. Uh-uh. Phillies aren't your thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not jump to conclusions. <laughs> I just didn't want to get like a hamburger and a Philly at dinner. Yeah, it was good. I'm not a fan of the cheese whiz style Philly myself, which I think is the original. But when, when I was in Philadelphia five years ago, I went to a place that was supposed to be renowned for having fantastic Phillies. And they told me that the their authentic way was to have it with cheese whiz, which I loathe and will never eat. And you could get it without the cheese whiz with actual cheese, which I found preferable. That's how I like it. I'm not against Cheese Whiz, but it's just for nachos as far as I'm concerned. I like Cheese Whiz. Yeah. Or just put it in a cup. <laughs> God, eat it like pudding. <laughs> oh, Francie, you put all your nacho toppings on the side. <laughs> well, that's true. We also got a grilled cheese 
which just the regular way you can get it is with garlic herb, goat cheese, white cheddar. You can also make it fancy. Did you make it fancy? I made it fancy. Ooh, how fancy. Well, so they had apple butter. Did you get the apple butter? I got the apple butter. And uh, it delivered in the fancy. It was a a new taste to me. The apple butter was very cinnamony. It kind of overtook the natural taste of the grilled cheese sandwich and made it much more dessert-like. But it was fantastic. And the, the, the grill on it was that makes the grilled cheese sandwich it was perfectly toasted so do you feel like that's something that seasonally was great or do you feel like because i was surprised that that's like an offering that they have i i thought maybe oh for fall they do apple butter but i would just convinced they have some sort of gimmick and rotating menu but (laughs) i'm gonna maybe in the spring they might do strawberry jam I don't know. I don't know, Travis. I just don't know. Well, I, I almost got the grilled cheese just because I could have gotten it with apple butter. So I'm really glad you did. Yeah, you should get it next time. It was great. Red beans and rice. Once again, this was an item that David got. Which, oh, okay. Fortunately, he went there knowing what he wanted. The um, jambalaya balls and the red beans and rice, which worked out perfectly because looking at your pictures, I knew that was just... I was about to ask two things that you didn't get if you made David get things just because we hadn't got them. But no, that's it just so happened that that's what he chose. He he got the authentic Creole experience then. He did. And he said they were good. It was comfort food. He didn't really have any particular um, additional comments regarding any of the elements. I did taste these. It was nice. It had a good hearty texture. It wasn't too spicy. They had a couple of different kinds of hot sauce on the table if you wanted to add that um so yeah just you know a solid red beans and rice yeah pickled veggies okay so Uh were these pickled veggies or were these pickles because the menu inside the restaurant had them listed as pickles but the menu on the table said pickled veggies travis i'm about to blow your mind pickles are vegetables Have we not covered the pickled veggie controversy Um, many times on this podcast? But if you put pickled veggies on a menu, obviously you expect onions and peppers and all that things. You didn't order it? No. We didn't order it? Oh, God. Guys, we we have to go back to the drawing board. (laughs) Gets to say it. We saw someone at the bar get fries, and they like come out, and it's like a good helping of fries on a plate, and they they looked really like well seasoned, and they really like done them up. And me and Hannah like looked at each other and we're like, we got to get the fries. And now Francie's like, oh yeah, they just come out of a bag. <laughs> it doesn't mean they can't do a great job frying them and seasoning they them. They did. They were really good. Like the seasoning was good. They were like crisp, which for crinkle fries, that can be hit or miss. So me and Hannah got some to split. Uh, one more thing. The gooey babies. Oh yeah. Nope. You got gooey babies. Right? I got gooey babies. Okay. It. I mean, it's possibly... The worst name for a dish I've ever heard. But also, it looks like a sad, tiny, deflated pie. It- <laughs> Weren't they just little mini gooey butter cakes? Yeah, we need to explain they are mini gooey butter cakes, which yeah. is why they're called gooey babies. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. Yeah. yeah. I, despite, I, I agree with you, Nick. When I saw them, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> it also looked very dry. Mm-hmm. It was not. Yeah. When we had some at the restaurant, they uh, weren't sure if they brought them to us or not. So they brought us another order of them. And they were like, let us just box it up because we weren't sure if you got these or not. 
so we took an order home and we popped those in the microwave for like 15 seconds. Mm. They were so good. Like I would recommend like if anybody at, uh, the drawing board is listening to this. If they could find a way to like heat those up just a little bit, took them to a whole nother level. Guys, if you can get a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we flip over to the other side of the menu, which was the beverages? Oh yeah. So they have a nice list of beers available. They're draft beers. I think there were one, two, six of them on tap, all local, which was really nice. And one of them was the Brick River Cider which I happened to like and got. And uh, David got uh, Civil Life, the brown ale. Came in very nice glasses. I definitely approve of their barware. Then they have a selection of bottles and uh, a very large selection of cans. So something to suit every taste. Francie, I love that you mentioned the barware because we got, uh, I got one of mine in a glass from a Forest Park beer festival. And Hannah was like, we have those glasses at home. <laughs> So that was one time and the rest came in. Yes. Very nice. Like barware. But I did think it was funny that you mentioned it. Now I remember it's like, Oh yeah, I had the forest park beer festival glass, but they do have a big selection of beers. I was kind of surprised. Uh, I was expecting, you know, the, the bud family and maybe one or two like craft beers, but they had seltzers, they had uh, ciders, they had some CBD infused non-alcoholic beverages, which I thought was super Hmm. interesting. So an elevated selection of beers. Yeah. And apparently they put a lot of work into their uh, bar program too. So uh, they brought in someone to oversee the bar program and um, they uh, specialize in whiskey, uh, but they have a full bar uh, and cocktails. So. So is it a dive bar? You know, I want to start with Francie. Francie, do you feel like this was a dive bar? Well, when we were there, there really weren't any people in the bar, and it wasn't crowded, and we sat outside on the patio. So I didn't really experience it as a bar. I wouldn't say at uh, 6 o'clock on a Thursday night it's a dive bar. Well, when I went, there were these two local yokel schlubs watching a baseball game. <laughs> I wish I had a t-shirt that said local yokel schlub. <laughs> that should be our first t-shirt. But yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but it felt like a like you said at the beginning, it's a new dive bar. You know, it has that kind of neighborhood atmosphere, playing sports. Uh, I, I would call it a neighborhood bar. I wouldn't call sure. it a dive bar. You know, I yeah. calling it a dive bar is a discredit to what their food program is. It's a discredit to their drink program. Um, the the interior is really nice. They have you know that live two piece music set up. You know, all of that to me says this is more of a neighborhood bar than a dive bar. Well, and that's the phrase that their loyal Yelp reviewers, the people who gave them all the five-star reviews, several of them mentioned the neighborhood bar feel. Mm -hmm. And we said it's on Chippewa, but it's right near the intersection at Gravoy. So it's Tower Grove South and Princeton Heights and, you know, quite a few South City neighborhoods kind of converge at that point. So it's serving several neighborhoods. And one thing about their location that I wanted to mention, they have a parking lot, which was super nice because of their location on the corner of Chippewa and Gravaway, there's not a lot of parking right there. So having their own parking lot just makes it so much more convenient to go to. And I can tell by the look on Francie's face, this is new information to her. Glad you mentioned it because we (laughs) parked on the street. We had no idea there was a parking lot. So final thoughts? Definitely going back. Yeah, it's uh, worth it to just go for the food. They have good food. Try out MedArt style. 
keep the tradition alive. I think that's why I would go back because now I, with all this history, I feel like I need to experience an authentic Medard burger. I would definitely go back. This is no surprise to you two, but this is like totally my kind of place. But even deeper than that, this is the kind of place I was hoping to find while we were doing the podcast. Like when you drive by it, it's like an interesting, well, I wonder what that place is. And then, you know, you never give it a second thought, but this is one of those places you should give a second thought to. I really liked everything about it. Uh, the staff was so nice. Like it, it really made it feel like a neighborhood bar and you were their neighbor. I, I wish they would have like some bucket specials or something for a, uh, you know, when there were sports on, it got a little pricey, but we were there for five and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's more on us than, uh, and we tried half the menu, I think. So, yeah. um, I loved it. I was so pleasantly surprised. I'll definitely be going back. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Let us know what we're wrong about, where you'd like us to go next. And as always, tell Mitch I said hi. It's $10 for three crab rangoons. So, yeah, you're, you are... <laughs>